The reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 to 17. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. So no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of his power. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And we're going to take a look at that passage, as we mentioned, and I don't know what you made of what you've heard so far, and uh, I'll lead a contest between Sarah and Pete. Um, we're thinking about this particular passage, the tribes that were talked about um, in this church in Corinth. I wonder what your tribe is. Um, now, it's a staple of Netflix uh, comedies, uh, high school dramas, high school comedies. I've got a picture of a few here. Um, some of you all then think, can I work out which these are? But I wonder, uh, a staple is that high school dramas, comedies, they have their tribes. Uh, they have their different kind of groupings. It might be the jocks, the, uh, the sporty types, the geeks, the princesses, the debaters, the musos, the outsiders. Um, I don't know what you are or what you were at school. Uh, which tribe did you belong to? Maybe you are at school or college now. What are you? I wonder if you might turn to somebody nearby. And what, uh, what tribe were you a part of when you were at school? Or are you, if you are still there or at college now? What tribe are you a part of? Or maybe you are, are no tribe at all. Um, turn to somebody nearby for 30 seconds. Okay, maybe you've uh, you've got the start of a conversation you can carry on. Maybe you were working. Some of you will be trying to work out which movies those were, and you can come and tell me afterwards if you think you know. Uh, some of you may have been trying to work out which tribe you think I was uh, when I was at school or at college. But maybe you're maybe you, you kind of resonates with you. There's a different tribe that we're a part of. Paul is talking to them here, and um, this church in Corinth, which had formed tribes of different kinds. And he needs to address, uh, last week we saw him encourage them at all they had in Christ, but now he wants to tackle some of the big problems that they have. And one of them is this fighting, uh, the groups that they have formed. And we are going to think this morning, just for a little while, about five effects of tribes in churches. Five effects of tribes in churches. Um, so join me if you would. Uh, we'll look at what Paul has to say. The first of those is this, a tribe binds us to a personality. A tribe binds us to a personality. Um, he says there, I appeal to you, he makes his appeal in the name of Jesus, that they agree with each other, that there aren't any divisions among them, that they're perfectly united in mind and thought. Why is that? Well, he says, my brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have told me there are quarrels among you. Uh, what I mean is this, some of you say, uh, I follow Paul, another says, I follow Apollos, another says, I follow Cephas. Cephas was Peter. So if you can imagine, uh, they, are, they have formed an attachment to particular 
personalities, particular styles. Um, Paul has clearly got this news from uh, Chloe. Chloe, um, probably a businesswoman uh, who maybe sent emissaries out. Um, and when they brought news of what was going on, they have told Paul what has happened. And the different people, Paul had been with the church some time before. He'd spent 18 months with them. And some of them have obviously attached themselves to him. But later uh, in has come Apollos. Apollos was quite possibly a, a renowned Bible teacher. And some of them have attached themselves to him. Uh, then Peter has visited. Now, Peter may well have been known as a straight talker, and some of them have attached themselves to him. And they have formed these tribes, these groupings, around these powerful figures. Now, Paul isn't, he's saying that you're all Christians. He's not saying some of you have stopped being Christians. You're all Christians, but you've formed your groups and your tribes around these particular personalities, the, char- the charisma the style that you like in a particular leader. Um, Currently, uh, there is a podcast um, called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, which is um, being produced and and, uh, and, uh, kind of unfolding week by week. Um, It tells the story, if you haven't come across it, it tells the story of a church um, in the States, which over the kind of uh, couple of decades recently grew to thousands under the particular powerful personality of a pastor there, got a magnetic, charismatic, very strong figure, Mark Driscoll. Grew to thousands, and then almost overnight collapsed. And it's a sobering and an interesting listen um, and as it relays the story of what happened. But what has struck me just in listening to it is how people in the US, but really across the world and in the UK as well, just allowed this to happen because of what they gained by being attached to this personality. Because of what they gained by being attached to it. They just let these things unfold. And if you get a chance to listen, I would recommend that the the story is a sobering one of uh, his control and his character. And if there's any lesson that comes from that story, it is that we have fallen human leaders. Our leaders are fallen human personalities. But we bind ourselves to them. This is what was happening here in Corinth. They bound themselves to a particular personality, a particular style. And no human personality can do what Jesus did for us. So Paul says a bit later, he says, was Paul crucified for you? It's a crazy idea. No one can do that. I, if you don't know me, I have been in this particular role for the past 18 months or so. If I haven't let you down yet, I will do at some point. I am a fallen human personality. Uh, if I haven't let you down yet, I will at some point. We can look forward to that time, can't we? <laughs> but any earthly leader will. A tribe binds us to a personality, but more than that... A tribe blinds us to how silly tribes are. It's one of the strange effects of this. Paul has a really good ear for what is going on. As he's relating to them and talking to them, he's got a really good ear for the kind of conversations that they've been having. So in Corinth, he can see, they couldn't see what was going on. He couldn't see the, they couldn't quite 
gauge the effect. He says, look, some of you say, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another says, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Now, he doesn't actually mean that there were a group who were saying, I follow Christ. He's joking with them almost. He's as if to say, look, can you see how daft this is? Do we need a tribe over here that says, I follow Christ? Can you see how, how mad it is that we found all these tribes? Do we need to start a new one that says, I follow Christ? It's ridiculous. But we're blind to the effects that this has. We find a magnetic personality, we attach ourselves to them, and we can't see the impact of it. A tribe cannot save us. But it is super easy to think that it does. It's really, really easy to think that it does and to find ourselves thinking that our credibility as Christians comes from who we're linked to. Let me give you an example. Um, our, our platformers, our teenagers are here. Um, for those of you who are here, you, at some point, you may well go on to um, somewhere else. Uh, maybe you go to a different city than Manchester, um, whatever may kind of call you away or take you to study or whatever it might be. Um, and uh, you'll leave here. And, and you know, it's really, really hard not to do this. To, you arrive somewhere and you, and you perhaps you go to a church, you meet somebody and you go, oh, yes, I'm from Manchester. Um, and, um, oh yeah, I go to a church there, um, uh, it's called Holy Trinity Platt, and you kind of just wait, and then someone goes, oh, I've heard of Holy Trinity Platt, and a little bit, he goes, I know, <laughs> and you kind of find yourself saying to somebody, oh, yeah, I'm from Holy Trinity Platt, and you, you just wait and look for that, that little acknowledgement, that response. How do I know that? Because I've done it loads of times. Isn't that really terrible? <laughs> you go somewhere and you just, you just say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm from Holy Trinity Flat. You just wait to see what kind of response you'll get. Because there's a little bit of our credibility that comes from where we've come from. And it might be that you've come uh, from, from somewhere similar. Our sense of worth we find through who we're linked to. Our tribe. When, in fact, we know, well, I think, Many of us would say we know that actually our worth comes from the fact that Jesus Christ died for us. But you see, our, our tribe, our grouping, it blinds us to how much actually we look for our credibility elsewhere. So one of the interesting things about that podcast is just how blinding the effect of following this very powerful pastor was. People couldn't see the impact it was having on them. Paul is kind of aware. It's almost like we can't see it. It binds us to a personality, but it blinds us then to how silly tribes are. The fact that we're chasing after a character, a personality, a style. It could be a big church. Uh, it can be a well-known person that you're just, you know, that you were in, uh, kind of influenced by or that you follow uh, online these days. Um, it can be a big Christian organization. It might be a camp that you're involved in. It might be a Christian union that you're a part of, where just some sense in the back there, my credibility comes from who I'm linked with. And it's almost like we're blind to it. It binds us to a personality. It blinds us to how silly tribes are. A tribe three traps us in the past. It traps us in the past. Paul's ear for what is going on. He says, verse 13, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Um, were you baptized in the name of Paul? Um, thankfully, I didn't baptize that many of you. He goes on to say, he's reminded, some of them have clearly attached themselves to him and his time when he was with the church. Remember I said it was some time ago? He was with them for about um, 18 months. And he can see that they've become deeply attached 
to the person who influenced them. So you imagine somebody who kind of, Apollos had come in, great Bible teacher, and you know, somebody who says, well, it was Apollos who brought me to faith, do you know? Really, it was Apollos. Apollos is a great teacher. Got a lot out of him. It was very exciting times. Studied a lot with Apollos. Really learned a lot. And it anchors you to that point in the past when Apollos was there. And it's almost instinctive. And it comes, I think, particularly because it's when we were most influenced in our earliest spiritual growth. Now, I don't know what that might be for you. But if you look back to a point where you were most influenced in your earliest spiritual growth, it often traps you in the past when that happens. It's almost instinctive. It is a present danger for anywhere that has any kind of student ministry because it's such a formative time. Now, student ministry is a great blessing, but it is a great danger such a formative time that it can trap us at that point in our spiritual history. It was never as good as it was then. A couple of weeks ago, if you weren't with us, we had a big celebration for our 175th anniversary. It was very, um, very fun, lots of things going on. We had three former rectors of Platts in the building uh, and one present one. Um, and it was very exciting. And I can, I can imagine it was it was pretty hard for some of us not to think about one or other of those rectors. Oh, that was my time. That was, when, that was when it was really good. That was my era. Can you see? It's hard for us. It's almost uh, instinctive. It traps us in the past. It kind of anchors us back where we were at a most formative time. Tribes bind us to a personality. They blind us to how silly tribes are. They trap us in the past. Four, a tribe is never enough. A tribe is never enough. So Paul goes on to say, again, his ear out for the conversations that they're having, even the person who influenced you is never quite enough. So he says, were you baptized in the name of Paul? You notice he talks about baptism quite a bit. I thank God I didn't baptize um, any of you except Crispus and Gaius, and then he seems to remember that he also baptized the household of Stephanus. But he's pretty thankful that he didn't baptize that many of them. Why is that? Because it wasn't quite enough even to be influenced by one of these figures. You see, there's, another, there's always another level in the tribe. So somebody says, oh, you follow Paul. I follow Paul. Um, that's great. You know, I was, I was baptized by Paul, as it happens. I had a lot of one-on-one time with Paul. It was quite important to me. So you see, the, do you see? The, the influence is not quite enough just to say, oh, I follow Paul. Well, I was, yeah, I was baptized by him. Pretty special. I, I was closer in than you were. This is what will eat you up, I think, or me. There is always an inner ring closer than you are. So someone who says, oh, yes, I, I, I go to Platt Church, and um, I really enjoy it, and I've been there a long time. So I say, oh, yeah, I go to Platt Church too. But, you know, actually, I've been there since it was under X. You know, that, was, that, was a very, you know, that was a very good time. 
Someone says, well, I'm involved in the student ministry at Platt Church. Really, it's really exciting. Someone says, yeah, I, don't, you know, so I was involved in the student ministry as well, but I, I was there when it was led by Y. I think it was pretty, pretty good then. There's always another level, another layer. Someone says, you, uh, you help on a camp. You, I, I help on that camp as well. I'm involved in that camp. Actually, I'm that kind of leader on that camp, did you know? I have that role there. There's always another layer. There's always another uh, layer and inner ring closer than you are. See, a tribe, not only does it trap you in the past, it's never enough. It's not just enough to be in the tribe. You have to make it in the tribe. Paul can hear them wrestling over who was following him, who was baptized by him. A tribe binds us to a personality. It blinds us to how silly they are. It traps us in the past. It's never enough. And last, fifth, it makes us hide the mess. It makes us hide the mess. I think it's the most important thing. It's the reason why Paul is speaking, and he's going to come on to this in the next part of the um, chapter. The tribe, if you can imagine for a moment, a tribe always demands that you look good, doesn't it? A tribe demands that you meet the right criteria, that you're in, that you, you fit in, that you do the right kind of thing, that you're the right kind of person, the next level is made up uh, for you. The reality, so this is, it means that you have, to, you have to show up and look good. The reality for almost all of us is that we are a mess beneath the surface. I don't say that lightly. The reality for almost all of us is that we are a mess beneath the surface, emotionally, spiritually, the things that have happened to us, things that have led us to be where we are now. And Paul comes along and says, do you know, the tribe, I, I didn't do this. I didn't set it up this way. I didn't come to you with wisdom and eloquence. I didn't come to look impressive, to say, look, I'm the intellectual one. Be intellectual, follow me. He didn't say, I'm the powerful one. Come and be powerful and follow me. He said, I didn't do this. I came, and I came in weakness. And I wasn't impressive. Why? Because if you're part of this over here, if you're part of the tribe, you don't need the cross of Christ. You don't need the cross of Christ. He says it empties it of its power. You don't need the cross because you're trying to meet the standard of the tribe. Whereas the cross says to you, the cross says, I came here, Jesus says, I came here for you because of the mess you're in. I came here because of the mess that we, in our fallen world, uh, in our brokenness, I came for people who know they need forgiveness, who need healing, who need to be restored, who know the reality is the mess and will cry out to me. And I came and I so identified with you. The cross is a death of humiliation, of utter weakness. He said, I came to, to, ident- to so identify, to stand here, not there, here, for you, in your place, that you might know me and have restored relationship with me. I came to take that on myself. So everything that the tribe demands of us empties, takes away the the power of the cross as we try and reach the next level to look good, to meet the standard. He says, I didn't come for any of those. And Paul says, I came to you in weakness, not looking impressive, not with wisdom, because it just takes away the power of the cross. And Jesus... Jesus comes and he's, he's not saying, hide the mess beneath the tribe. 
He's not saying try and look good for the trial. He's saying, I came here for the mess. The mess that you and I are in. That's why I came. And if I can reverse that order of those five, he said, I came here for that mess. I came here, and there's not, with me, says Jesus, there is not another inner ring. There's not another layer that you have to get to. I came fully and sufficiently for you. And he came saying, you don't need to be trapped in the past with me. I'm more interested in how you are doing today spiritually than some golden age that you have in the past. And with Jesus, he comes saying, look, you're not bound to a fallen human personality who will let you down. You've come to Jesus, the perfect son of God, who won't ever fail us or let us down. Paul is saying, I wasn't afraid to come to you in weakness, to show that, to show I'm a mess, because if I hadn't, it would just have taken away the power of the cross. I wanted you to see and embrace and know the power of Jesus crucified. That is why I came in that way. That is the power of the cross. And it is the only power, as far as I can see, that will break the chains of our tribes. It has the power to get underneath our skin and see what's going on with those tribes and the ways in which we try and find our worth and our credibility in something else. And Jesus says, you don't need any of those. There is my cross and me.